arrived at The Winding Stairs, a program dedicated to Masonic education and the art of self-improvement. I'm your host, Juan Sepulveda, and today I am delighted to have with me my good friend and brother, Tom McGuire. Brother Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, brother? I'm doing quite well. Uh, if you brothers haven't, uh, haven't met him before, he is the founder of Fossil Bluff. If you've been hearing some of my episodes or watching them on, on video, you've seen some of the amazing work that he puts together at Fossil Bluff. Uh, he is the past district deputy grandmaster of the District 47 in the Most Worshipful Grand Lodge of Texas. And today we're going to have a conversation about membership decline in Freemasonry. Let's, it's going to be an overview of our experience with the membership decline, some of our theories of what's been happening, some of the information that we've gathered about factual uh, reasons for the decline, and throw around some ideas of how we can change the tide. How, is it possible for us to move the necessary level levers to really make an impact on Masonic membership today and in the coming years? So, Brother Tom, I'm excited to, to get into this conversation because I know you love Masonry. You know that I love masonry, and we have our own ideas, our own opinions, but we've met people in positions of power that have their own ideas and their own approaches that may be different from ours. We may see some implementations that may not be the ideal ones. So I want us to to kind of like get into that um, those discrepancies that we find. Uh, earlier, we were talking about the fact that some people have a very specific idea. Oh, here's where it started going wrong. So as long as we change that, we're golden. Do you think that's the the right approach to solving such a big monster like Masonic membership? Wow. Well, I feel like um, there are certainly some some missteps that were made in the social structure of the way that Freemasonry was operating, but ultimately that comes through hindsight of not being aware of what is in front of you. I mm -hmm. think you need to realize the trends and the way things are going so that you can try to avoid those, those things that happened in the past from happening again. We see some, when it comes to being a member of something mm -hmm. in today's society, we don't see that enthusiasm to say, Oh, I belong to this association or this organization, uh, have you noticed any difference in the years that you've been involved in uh, in multiple organizations? Have you seen like a a shift in in interest in belonging or being active participants in any of the organizations you belong to? So I would say that no, I haven't seen like a unilateral change. It always varies from initiate to initiate or new sign up to some organization each person places a value on what they're about to enter into in a way that is completely different than somebody else in the case of freemasonry um we just had an entered apprentice degree for a new a new mason at my lodge who was visibly emotionally um charged by his experience in his first degree nice. in the past i've also had members who have come in petition signed my granddad said I needed to be a Mason. Can we just get this over with? Oh, wow. So it really, it really isn't, I think, a unilateral uh, observation. I think it is happening on the 
on the individual's level. And that's why you really need to guard that West gate. Hmm. Yeah. Like that, you mentioned the individual level, because we were talking about the, the fact that many people of course have opinions of how we can change this universal trend of decline in memberships and in, in Freemasonry. But we lose sight of the fact that it all starts at a point of departure. It all has to start somewhere. And the, the best place for us to start is with you, right? So whatever attitude you have towards the fraternity, whatever involvement or lack of involvement you may have, that is the actual beginning. That's the, that's the, the root of any other effort that you, that you make um, for someone who is either new to the fraternity or someone who has been in the fraternity for a while, but seems to, not be as involved as before, what would you say to them um, to perhaps encourage them to be the, that change, that proverbial change? I would tell them that, um, first of all, I like to tell them masonry is slow. It's slow. It's slow at the administration level and it's slow at the initiation and the education level. Mm. It's something that's a lifelong, a lifelong change. It's a, it's a heading change in the way that you've been living your life. Um, and that the expectation of what's going to be needed from them needs to be understood so that you create a Mason and not necessarily another dues carrying member, which is necessary for finances. I understand yeah. that, but you need boots on the ground and you need to set that, that mentality up to make sure that that new person coming in understands that, listen, we're part of a family and we want to see what you can do and see if that we can do for you to help you grow. And we know that Mason yeah. has a lot to offer. Yeah. It really has. We have the ingredients for the cake. Basically we have all the ingredients necessary to really make that ultimate um, change in an individual. But of course, if you don't put those ingredients into the recipe at the right time and treat them with the attention that they need and put them under the right circumstances at the end, you don't have something recognizable. Mm. And uh, I saw someone making a joke about, they were using a similar analogy uh, about a cake. It's like, if, if that cake that you make at the end doesn't look like a cake and someone who's never had cake before, never seen a cake before, their experience with cake is that, they're going to be, oh, I hate cake. Cake is stupid. And other people who have been, you know, they've been, they've had the privilege of having, having amazing cake or having amazing pastries. They're like, no, 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 don't judge it by that. Like that was terrible. What happened to you with that? And, and we see that in masonry. We see men who come in for whatever reason, and that expectation is not met. I think you hit, you know, that that's a very important point that awareness of what masonry is and has for people and the expectation. If, if we miss it, you know, we're doomed. And what leads up to it? What is the, what is the behavior that's associated with this, that anticipation? Like you just mentioned in the cake analogy, somebody has a cake while they're being whipped on the back, they're guaranteed never to like cake. That's true. <laughs> right. But if you do that in a scene where everybody's happy and jovial and cake is part of a celebration, this is the way it happens. So if, if as much as I would like to be able to create a formula for how to successfully intake a candidate into the fraternity, mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way, but you could certainly steer 
that raft down the river to get it within, you know, safe tolerances to the end, to the finish line. So you, if, if we had that guideline mm-hmm. that we could sort of execute on an intake process, I think that would go a long way to creating more active members. I love that. You spoke like a true engineer there talking Thank about to- tolerances, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but it's, it's, it's a very good point. We can put together some guidelines and, and one of the things that I'm attempting to do here in the winding stairs, and I've shared with this with you in private, uh, where I have, I have a, a set of, of steps that we can, if we attend to them and put energy into them, we may be able to have a positive impact on that decline. We may be able to decelerate that decline to to a sustainable level, and perhaps other generations are going to be able to uh, change the the trend. But talking about tolerances, this it can't. No formula can be rigid enough that is going to work for every single lodge. Sure, you have lodges that. If they don't have a black tie and real burning tapers and incense flowing, it's not a successful meeting. And you have other lodges that they are more concerned about the the fellowship and you know it doesn't matter if they're wearing uh, khakis or jeans or whatever they're wearing as long as they can have that fellowship before the meeting, they have an amazing meeting. So. But there's some core tenets, let's call them, or, or yeah. core um, areas that we can focus on. And you touched on on the first one for the acronym. For those who haven't seen the previous videos or haven't listened to the previous podcast, um, the acronym that I used was AJAR, alluding to the fact that we have the doors wide open. We have people that are coming in, many of them unqualified or unfit to be members of the fraternity. But even though it's so easy to join this fraternity now, everybody is exiting. So there's a door at the opposite end of this building, and people are just bleeding out of this uh, of this fraternity. What's happening within those two doors can be addressed. And what's happening before people knock on that door on the first time, that can be addressed. So AJAR stands for awareness. The J is for join for joining, the A is for activation, and the R is for retention. So we're talking about the awareness is what's happening to people that are not Masons. How are they looking at us? What are they expecting from us? And of course, if we know what that expectation is, if with if it if it is within the description of what we do, then we there's no reason why we can't fulfill that expectation. But we seem to be failing at some at some of those levels. So let's focus first on, on talking about awareness. You talked about the expectations of that candidate that comes in and how can we gauge that expectation? Have you had any, uh, in any experience with someone who comes with a completely off of left field expectation for masonry, uh, or, or something like that? Yeah. Yes, I have. And, um, I've, I've dealt with a lot of them. Uh, and in some cases, we've had to have some visitors forcibly removed from from our lodge to get them out of the way for safety reasons. Yeah, uh, they I've were they were way out in their expectations of what it is that Freemasonry is, primarily because they maybe went to 
a different direction on YouTube, possibly. I'm not sure why, why these things happen, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, a good a good brother of of my lodge, Round Rock Lodge, his name's Carlos Castillo, taught me a a really interesting mechanism for that early intake process to sort of understand what the expectations are of what a new candidate thinks that we do. We ask them the question, "What is it you think we do here? Mm. What do you think that we do? What is where is your head at?" Then we ask them, why do you want to be a Mason? They may say something like, oh, I want to have a good place to hang out with some friends. And I said, you know, you can, Carlos says, you can go to, uh, you can go to the bowling alley and hang out with your friends and have a great time. You don't need masonry for that. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to do something to try to help people and, and make a change in their lives. Well, you know, you can, there are a lot of people who are hungry. I'm sure you could find a soup kitchen where you could serve and take care of these people and have a direct impact. You don't need to be a Mason to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, I want a place where I can study and learn. And I said, you know, all the knowledge of the world is on the computer. You don't, you don't need to be a Mason to have all this knowledge. You can, you have access to all of it. Why do you want to be a Mason? This is a serious question Yeah, because it sets up their entire mentality of what it is that they think that we do and that what are we going to give them? It's, it's not an us giving something to a candidate. It is them ready to receive things that they become more aware of and grow an understanding of. That's really sort of my position on how you make a successful candidate is to give that awareness to them that this is their ball to take and run with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's, that's good. And sometimes we hear um, the way that it, that's described to people say, well, you get out of masonry what you what you put into masonry. And some people, of course, they roll their eyes whenever they hear that expression um, and it is true, you are going to derive greater satisfaction and benefit from being a yeah. part of this organization in uh, in proportion to the amount of energy and time that you dedicate to it. Um, but that's the same with anything you do in life. Your kids are not going to raise themselves. The, yeah. <laughs> the potential that- for success is going to be uh, dictated by how intentional you are in helping them be there yeah and and so much of it seems to be uh people thinking of masonry as an external force Mm -hmm. and so when you say you get out of it what you put into it it's what you put into the work how Mm -hmm. well you utilize those working tools you will receive the benefits of following those guidelines it's not a how much you donate will return more business clients for you now in some organizations that is the case yeah without a doubt, yeah. but not in Freemasonry. So the work is, is all about the self and about the internal growth so that you can make good men better, not meh men good. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> is that a t-shirt already? No, it's not. It's not, not yet. <laughs> no, that, that's very good. You know, I, uh, recently I had an experience on, on TikTok uh, for those of you who don't know, I go live on TikTok every Monday and every Wednesday at 11 p.m. Uh, I have a blast there. There's a core group of brothers that come in and have a conversation with me. There's uh, hundreds and hundreds of people that are just curious about Freemasonry or just happen to come across the live and they come in and ask all these colorful questions about Freemasonry. So it's a hoot to see what some people think we are all about. Yeah, but one thing that comes comes quite often is that people say, "Well, if you make good men better, 
how come uh how come you keep that information secret why are you keeping something that's so good why are you keeping it secret it's right? not a secret is not a secret <laughs> that's the that's one of the biggest thing but seeking you shall find yep but <laughs> like you mentioned you have the internet no nothing that we can teach you in masonry you cannot find in another resource yeah you can learn about justice fortitude temperance all of the virtues you can about generosity about empathy it doesn't matter what the topic is you can find it elsewhere. Now, what we have, a what makes it special to us and exclusive to us is how we deliver those lessons. The experience that you go through to become that better man, we have a very unique way of, of emblazing that into your mind. And yeah. if that sounds interesting to you, if that is what you think, oh, you know what? I like that. Then... Let's talk a little bit more. If you just want to find the information and move on, then find the information and move on. You know, it's like we're not doing anything wrong. Just like, for example, I guarantee you that the ingredients that Coca-Cola uses for their drink are readily available for you to buy them on your own. Yeah. That's fine. It doesn't mean that they're toxic. It doesn't mean that they're uh, rare minerals. or it, It's just... It's ingredients. Now, they have as a secret, as something that they hold dear and personal, the method by which they combine all these ingredients to have that fizzy experience in your face. <laughs> and as a marketing person, they have brand identity. For sure. For sure. Like the, like they have been four generations now yeah. at the pinnacle of, of, of the marketing uh, at their marketing game. So to I, that end, I, I would that. say that in the awareness, our brand is Freemasonry with the symbols of the square and compass is probably our most recognizable uh, symbol that we could use to help build awareness, right? Obviously. Yeah. And I think you and I should definitely have another conversation on a different day where we talk about marketing and, and Freemasonry. Because right now, if you think about some of these core parts of, of, of brand identity, you need consistency yeah that that and you need to have a a genuine thing like this is what you are you're not faking yeah. it this is what you are period and then you have the consistency to deliver upon that on on that brand is freemasonry doing that i don't think so but we we got we gotta we gotta save this conversation for another time because yeah, you're, speak, you're, you're speaking my love language right now. So yeah, know, we'll have to have another talk about that. Uh, on that point, if you're listening or watching this, you want to be a part of that conversation. Make sure to subscribe. Don't don't just listen and get, leave it to chance. Make sure that you are subscribed so that you don't miss it when when we talk about it. But hearkening back to to that whole awareness, which is yeah. related to it. We are leaving the public to have their own opinion and craft their own vision of what Freemasonry is. One of the things that I try to do with the content that I create is not leave it in the hand of someone else to tell my story as a Mason. I'm sharing my story as a Mason in a way that someone who is new, who is curious about Freemasonry, they can see what I'm doing. They can hear what I'm saying and think, Oh, you know what? That kind of lines up with what I am looking for. Or 
I always wondered about Masons and what they did. I kind of like the way that he's presenting it. So that awareness, I think it's it's in our hands, right? It's in your hands. It's in my hands to project that image and and and, and not leave the story to other people. We are telling this story. Yeah. You know, in uh, in my design course, when we were doing portfolio, so this is a slight tangent, but it is relevant. Mm-hmm. When we were building our portfolios uh, for application to wherever we were going to try to get jobs at, there's a, there's a phrase that everybody needs to remember when you're making a portfolio, and that is you're only as good as your worst piece. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to your lodge, you're only going to be respected as much as the loudest mouth in your lodge yeah so you really need to make sure that everybody's on the same page and you have that really good consistency so that's 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 a very good point uh coming <laughs> I've, I've submitted portfolios uh, plenty of times so i know exactly what you're talking about yeah there are pieces that i love that i know do not <laughs> represent me well it's like right. they got they gotta get up yeah. It can be in there. So in the going back to the acronym about a jar, the J stands for joining. And you mentioned masonry is slow. We know this, but we sometimes forget about it whenever we're talking to a new candidate. Mm-hmm. I remember when I submitted my petition. Yeah. I submitted my petition around my birthday. And I remember calling my, the person that, my contact in the lodge. I remember mm-hmm. calling him while I was installing Christmas lights in my house. Now, my, my birthday was last month. So we're talking about three months, right? Nueve, diez, once, once, yeah. We're talking about three, my numbers are in Spanish, by the way. <laughs> three months later. I'm still wondering what happened. Yeah. Now, of course, I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe they don't think I'm qualified for this. I'm not a good fit. Or they've spoken with the people that I put as a reference and they didn't like what they heard. Or I'm I'm going in my mind through all these possibilities of why I'm not being accepted. Because that's what the candidate is doing. When you talk about submission, you know, that word is is very profound. You're you're submitting something to someone else. And now you are at their mercy. Like they are making the decisions. And I was wondering what is wrong, you know, what yeah. what of me is not good enough for this group? I I know exactly what you're talking about. So I've been um I, I'm I'm a I'm a recently retired secretary of our lodge, which I'm very excited about, but also have a lot of uh <laughs> particular investment in the way that that office is is run Mm -hmm. and I like to be helpful but not too helpful (laughs) but to that point um because of my generation and the way that I am as a gen xer I like to use software to try to solve all of my problems routines you know bullet points checklists all that stuff so I was able to digitize most of our processes to make sure that we didn't drop the ball with a lot of things uh, when it came to every aspect of the secretary's office and one of the things that is that I worked hard on was to was to sort of create these these form style emails that would go out to the investigation committee, that would go out to the certain members of the lodge and then also to the candidate 
so that they had that communication. They knew what was happening. Because like you said, we forget the energy and excitement that is ready to explode out of that candidate when they know it's their vote happening at a stated meeting and they don't find out either that night or the next day, right? Mm -hmm. Or if there's an investigation and their petition gets read at Lodge, I'm not sure if there are other jurisdictions do it exactly like Texas, but this is the way we do it. And then, um, you know, you, you, you assign your committee, that committee needs to immediately reach out to that candidate to let them know that they're going to be scheduling an appointment because mm -hmm. that candidate is exceptionally charged with energy towards yeah. Freemasonry. And if you can meet that need, you can you can turn that into a little di a little dynamo for your lodge mm -hmm. and have it work really really well. You have to be there to meet the excitement for the new people coming in. Yeah. This is a problem for a lot of lodges because if you're not then able to sustain that level of energy they're going to drop off. They're going to fall into a routine of doing the very least they can do mm -hmm. instead of living up to their best potential. That, that's a that's a great Sorry point. About that. No, that is a fantastic point. Meeting their needs. Yeah. And this harkens back to the awareness and expectation. The they have a certain set of expectations that may not be incorrect. Their expectation may be we're going to discuss things that are deep and profound and esoteric. That expectation is not wrong. Our ritual is 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 rife with beautiful allegories that can help us dive deep into that aspect of our lives. And so that expectation is not misplaced. No. The way in which we perform our ritual and we give them that experience may sacrifice uh, or perhaps not fully meet that expectation. So there's a lot of responsibility on our shoulders during that whole joining process, getting to know what their expectation is yeah. and then during the joining process deliver upon it as best as we can because that's I, I i think we have to be so selfless at that process because we are generating an experience for a man that they will never get again imagine if you mess up you are robbing this individual of a once in a lifetime opportunity they're taking time away from home, possibly their loved one, possibly their mm -hmm. children. They're asking for days off work. The value has got to be there. Mm -hmm. And during that joining process, you have to make sure that what they're receiving sets up that foundation so that they understand the way that things are supposed to be so that down the road, they can self be self-empowered to continue yeah. that, that certain level of expectation. Mm -hmm. It's really important. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they reciprocate. I, I remember my master mason degree was courtesy work. So uh, Oviedo Lodge, which mm -hmm. was maybe an, an extra 40 minutes uh, north of where I yeah, wow. where I would go, they they gave they gave me a courtesy degree. Yeah. Now I knew this. They told me, well, it's not going to be in your lodge. It's going to be in this other lodge. I knew nobody in that lodge. So there was a part of me that I was concerned. I was like, oh, I'm not going to have any of my, uh, the people that I've, that I've known, what have you. So I go there and upon being brought to light, I see so many people that I didn't know, but also so many people that I did know. 
traveled that extra 40 minutes mm. to be there for me. I was eternally grateful for that. I always remember that. It's like that moment where I opened up my eyes and I didn't feel alone. I, yeah. my people were there Yeah, and they're not there for anything else other than for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a hundred percent of the time, whenever a degree concludes and we ask a candidate or, or a newly made brother, if they have something they'd like to say at the end, which is nice. Um, they, they hundred percent of the time, they thank everybody for coming out. It, it is, it is a, a bullet point on the things that are important. Attendance mm -hmm. at a degree, even if you're just there to be in the seats, is very important. It's very yeah. important. Yeah, yeah. If you're enjoying this episode, you will love our newly redesigned website, thewindingstairs.com, where you will find free access to our entire podcast catalog. By visiting thewindingstairs.com, you will also discover our growing collection of Freemasonry-inspired art. That's right. Bring elegant artwork featuring the profound symbols of masonry to your home, office, or lodge. You'll be happy to know that we've also expanded our apparel collection to include new, discreet designs in sizes up to 5XL. We can't wait for you to see them. Support our efforts to share Masonic education and inspiration by visiting thewindingstairs.com today. Thank you. We... And again, when we started the conversation, we talked about all the levers yeah. that that would have to be pulled, right? This is one of those levers. This is one of those levers that if we if we imagine the whole process of reverting or or redirecting this curve of the or or decline of membership, one of the main levers that we need to have our eyes on is this one. And we yeah. talked about the whole meeting the expectations is being timely in the in our communications. I love the whole idea of having these almost like canned responses or canned responses sounds it's that sounds cold but it's almost like a prompt. It's like they a don't placeholder. Know. They don't yeah, know that it's canned. To them it's the first time they've ever gotten it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They don't know. That's true. Uh and if it's well written it's is is yeah. is a very good is a very good tool. But having those placeholders to make sure oh a week after they submitted, they got this. A few days after that, they got that. The night that we voted here, whenever the investigation committee was uh, appointed, they got a notification and they, they got a date scheduled. So all of that stuff has to move in order for that joining process to be one that is, um, they don't feel neglected. Yeah, respectful. And yeah, everything. Yeah, I, I do hear it very, very often. Oh, well, yeah. I, I sent an email to this lodge and they never got back to me. You know what? Let me give you let me give you a, a, a small little further window in that. When I first became secretary years and years ago, um, I looked at our our uh, database of entered apprentices who had failed to progress, mm. and there were forty seven. Oh wow! Yeah, I called each one of them. Now, some of them were were 10, 15 years failed to progress. Okay, mm -hmm. they just they were in the wind. Um, I heard it all. I mean, I got, I got not, these people who these, these, they're still Masons because they're in an apprentice Masons. They're just in the wind. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, they weren't, they, none of them had anything really nice to say. They said things like, well, after I got my degree, uh, no one told me what to do next. So I figured that was it. And then I didn't do anything. And oh, wow. I just never went back to lodge. Nobody said I needed to come do anything. 
from the you know from hearing things like um yeah, I, I, nobody told me I was going to have to be memorizing a bunch of stuff and I'm not going to just sit around and listen to somebody talk to me and memorize things. And I'm like, well, that should have been covered in your whole intake process. Yeah. So that communication and setting up the expectation of what it is to join the fraternity needs mm -hmm. to be outlined with each and every person so that mm -hmm. they understand what's happening so that in 10 years, you don't have to make a cold call to somebody who failed to progress. Yeah, This is all very easy to manage with just like attention Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you would say outline it. Yeah. If yeah. you have a sheet, like you have a checklist of, okay, did we tell him this? Yeah, we did that. And Phil, as leaders, we can have that sheet and, and say, oh, make sure that we delegate. Well, I'm going to need you to make sure that you cover this with him before he's in too deep and then has a, a, a fixed expectation of, of what, of what to, he's going to experience. Yeah. So there is a there is an opposite side of that too. Okay. Um, in that early on, we at one point, I think we raised, I want to say 20 plus masters one year. Nice. Um, which to me is a huge number. Mm -hmm. And most of them are gone. They're gone. We don't know where they are. And wow. we realized that we were um that this is this happened before I was really active in the lodge. Uh, somebody would walk in with a petition on a stated meeting night, they would be signed, recommended, and then have an investigation committee put on them that night. You didn't even know their first, middle, and last name at that point. Um, and we realized that those, those intake uh, techniques were resulting in 100% attrition. There were 100% fall-offs. So we put the brakes on it. And this probably happened 10 years ago. We put the brakes on it and we... We had like a three, three to four month intake requirement. Nobody was going to petition Round Rock unless mm -hmm. they waited three to four months and everybody got to see their face. They helped in the kitchen to serve food so that every meeting, somebody would walk by and see their face and get to know them. Mm -hmm. And plus, honestly, given that you don't know who's walking through your door, if you have somebody who maybe doesn't conduct themselves well in public, mm -hmm. maybe they're a... Um, not to pick on car salesmen, but just as an example, maybe they're just a very uh, aggressive car salesman and you had an interaction with them. You might want to know that that is who's coming into your lodge. Mm -hmm. Likewise, the candidate may see somebody in the membership who they just don't like or have history with from high school, or maybe they were a bully or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. So we really slowed down our intake process to take months to come in. So we do sort of set that speed to make sure that the candidate realizes that this is not going to be an overnight thing. This is going to be a lifetime progress that you're going to have to go through. That's good. And would you say the results were positive? We have 100% retention now. Nice. That's that's excellent. Yeah, we do we we do that in in Orange Blossom Lodge. We actually have they have to sit they have to come to the dinner before our meetings for months. So yeah. for a couple of months, we sit with them and have dinner. We have, uh, we talk, we get a chance to see who's behind this first face that we saw. We had a, a, a many years ago, a grandmaster asked us, um, what's going on here? How are you guys like doing so well? And our master at the time, I believe, I believe his name is Peter Artez. I'm not sure who was sitting in the East, but uh, he says, easy. We just don't let him join. <laughs> just don't let them join we make them stick around they yeah. gotta earn it so yeah. anyway no that's good that's how that's how it needs to be it has and it just and i've used this example before 
when you vote someone into the into into your lodge, you need to be okay with them sitting with your family for dinner. Mm. You think about it, you're going to have to sit with this person for a family dinner at some point, whether it's at your house or at lodge or somewhere. Are you comfortable with that? If you're not, that's a that's a black cube for sure. You uh you bring up a, a very dear, dear method um, of mine. You say sit with your family. I say in an emergency, would I let them watch my two daughters? Exactly. Wow. Yeah. That there should be no hesitation in the answer. Right. There should be no hesitation in the answer. I like that. I like that little stance right there. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. Now after people join, let's say they go through this whole um, filter, uh, so to speak, and yeah, they go through the petition process, they get uh, voted in, they're in now, they are full members of the lodge, mm-hmm. they can sit in, in, in a meeting and all that. The activation process, which is the A in the AJAR acronym, uh, now it becomes crucial that this individual gets activated. And what I allude to is, for example, I really like the what uh, Yola Lodge number two hundred seven in Orlando did at the time that I joined. They had a list where you had to put whatever things you were skilled at, talented in, or so any any of these things that you could perhaps contribute to the lodge. So people there were putting, well, I'm a public speaker. I love astronomy and I'm amateur I'm an amateur astronomer. I uh I'm an a musician, I'm an architect, whatever it was. And whenever we had projects in lodge or whenever we we had any kind of event, we could look at these lists and say, "Oh, you know what? Such and such has carpentry experience. Maybe yeah. he can we can tap him." And even if he hasn't been very active in the meetings, we are able to perhaps tap them in to be uh, part of a smaller project that's going to build some camaraderie and it's going to build some kind of uh, sense of belonging or something like that. And because we've seen brothers that come into, you know, people that petition and join the lodge and they have a set of skill that we could use. Yeah. And then they're never tapped for it. Yeah, I feel proud whenever I get to contribute to my lodge and and design something. A few years ago, I designed like the the shirt for for our lodge. That was Martin controversy later on, but I designed it nonetheless, and I was super proud. And brothers still have it, and they wear it, and they love it. And I'm happy that I was able to put some of my skill sets to work for my lodge. And you have the power to do that in your lodge. Everybody does. But if you have no idea that this dude can play the the violin, yeah, that's no good to you. <laughs> you so, should know that. You should know that before they even get voted on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You should know what they do before. You should know them well enough. You should know if they like to watch football or if they like to play the saxophone or what their hobby is. You know, are they... I, I don't know. Chief, they love washing bottles. I, I don't know what it is, but you ought to know that before they are even voted on. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as keeping a list of something like that, um, I think that's a phenomenal idea. Uh, I don't have anything really negative to think to, to say about that, except that um, 
I'm trying to really think of a bad reason to do that. If you if you set that expectation up during an interview process or during the whole intake process, I don't see why anybody would complain about that. It seems like yeah. a great idea. Yeah. Add that to the checklist. Done. <laughs> so ordered. Boom. Um, the activation aspect too, also when I was crafting this, this acronym, I was also thinking about the activation into the fraternity. Hmm. For example, if uh, I, I used to work for a major, uh, I'm not going to say what it was, but it was a, a company that has direct sales in it. Very reputable, very well-established direct sales company. And we have a sales force. And that sales force, it depended on being able to uh, go through a set of, of phases in their career mm -hmm. if we were going to expect them to really thrive and benefit from being a, a salesperson in, in the business. So you could recruit people. It's like, hey, come over. We're going to have this demonstration. You're going to love our product or whatever. And they're, they're pumped. It's like, yeah, I'll join for the discount that I get as a salesperson. Sure. Well, I'll join because, yeah, I've always wanted to buy that set of whatever. Yeah. And, but then if they don't become active and they, we don't get them like energized into living that lifestyle, then we lose them inevitably. Yeah. yeah. So how does that look in masonry? How do you take someone and you activate them to the point where it's not just like, I just went through the motion of petitioning and going through the degrees. Now they become a real Mason for life. Well, you know, it's real easy to, to drill down into one particular segment of what any new member has to offer, whether it's some sort of skill or talent, if it's the way that they think, or the way that they manage, or the way that they even carry themselves, right? Um, maybe they do bring some titles with them, mm -hmm. like mayor or something, um, you know, there's benefit to that, but I think that part of, part of what really needs to be addressed is making sure that we're covering the entire self for the member. Mm -hmm. We can't just take their one slice of the pie and keep leveraging and borrowing from that. It's going to be gone. Mm -hmm. So we have to make sure that we're replenishing with other aspects of Freemasonry, you know? whatever you could, you could take your, uh, you know, mind, body, and soul, right. Whatever you want to do, um, any of those three things. So to activate them, if you're going to ask them to do something there, the way that humans are wired is there needs to be a transaction of some sort. Mm -hmm. And so something needs to be, um, needs to be there to replenish that 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 ask they mm -hmm. need to be able to ask for what they want and sometimes you need to show them what they want you need to have a study session for self-improvement uh we have a we have a self-improvement study session that happens on off off weeknights at the lodge that just goes over self self-improvement has nothing to do with freemasonry but mm -hmm. it's all about trying to just sort of make yourself a better person um and it happens in the lodge so it's it's that type of stuff that then gives you that, that, that different dimension of Freemasonry and, and lets, you know, lets you as a member see that there are ways to grow and you feel like you're doing something mm -hmm. that is not you giving, you actually get to receive. That's, that's so good. Such a yeah. good point. I have, a, I have an example about that. Uh, there are a few fundraisers that we do every year in every year, at least every other year in, in my lodge. 
one of them is that we there's a, a county fair yeah. that happens. And for many, many years, we have been our lodge has been in charge of the the booths. So we're the ones that charge for admission. Mm. We give the bracelets and all that kind of stuff. Uh, as an organization that prides itself in having honorable men who are honest, who are hardworking, it's a perfect fit, right? And it brings significant income to the lodge yeah. for us yeah. to participate in that. But now imagine a new candidate comes in. He's initiated, past raised, and we tell them, hey, listen, our big fundraiser is coming and we need all hands on deck. We need your help to it, for it, right? This kid's never been to a county fair. Yeah. He has no idea what it's about. All he knows is that, you know, sounds like, oh, it's a seven night commitment or whatever. It's spooky. It's, it's yeah. it scares them. It's like, oh my God, what am I going to, I'm going to have to be working a county fair booth for five days. But if you tell them from, from my point of view, I've, I've volunteered in it and you actually get to hang out with your brothers. You actually get to access the the county fair for free of course you can get to buy any of the delicious nutritious funnel cakes or yeah. whatever it is right you uh on the moments that there's a lull you could practice catechism with a brother if you wanted to uh you get to meet a whole bunch of people there are plenty of benefits to being there but if we don't present it to them in a way that it's going to be persuasive or at least looks attractive in to a level they're not going to do it they're not going to be interested in it at all yeah. they may be you know they may be standoffish about it and so yeah. from our from a leadership point of view if you're in a position of influence within your lodge making sure that you are helping them see themselves active is crucial yeah so it's not just oh you need to do for the fraternity no 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 here's what you're going to get out of it yeah, we, you're gonna eat for free. We're gonna bring you pizza. At it's this the time. transaction. Exactly, it's economics. <laughs> We're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I love a podcast called Free Economics, and they have an amazing yeah, book yeah, too. Sure. So they talk about that. It's like there has to be there 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 have to be incentives, and it doesn't mean that you pay people to do stuff. The payment doesn't have to be monetary. It can be attention. It could be recognition. It could be yeah. all of these other things that are valuable to us. Yeah. So to bring it all to, to a close, I want to be respectful of your time. The last uh, is retention. Mm. Now you have someone who has uh, become aware of the fraternity, has joined, has been active. How do we not lose them? How do we avoid them finally exiting that door and never returning to the fraternity? How do we retain them? Do you have any ideas on on one thing that we could do better as a fraternity? In that I regards? do, I do. I've 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 always I'm, I'm never short of ideas. Um, Good. <laughs> so perfect, the, uh, perfect guest. Yeah. <laughs> the I think that you know fundamentally masonry is a journey, and we have some phrases that we say in our degrees where you know you don't want to upset things that might still be wet, right? You don't want to, I'm trying to be cryptic here. I think everybody knows what I'm yeah. talking about. So, mm -hmm. um, 
So if you if you were to sort of tell the the new member, masonry is like a train. You've got the locomotive up front and then you've got the caboose in the back. The closer you get to the front, the more knowledge and the more you see happening. Usually the affluent would, you know, probably they sit in a certain part of the certain part of the train. So just don't try to get so far ahead of yourself. Go through the process mm. because what you know now in your first degree will be expanded on and will your understanding will grow as you progress through the rest of the Blue Lodge degrees and then out into appendant bodies if you choose to do that. So I think that creating a culture of growth that is long, 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 right, is very important because ultimately for myself especially the reason i joined freemasonry is not the reason i stay mm. it's not the reason i stay i have changed mm-hmm. my needs what i what i what i receive from freemasonry from my efforts that i put into it is different than when i was initiated on that first day so understanding that you have to have a progression of growth and a progression of things that occur in order to keep that retention. Because, I mean, we've all heard the joke. Some people just go to lodge to escape their families or they just would need some time to unwind or something like that. I, I, I am not like that. I realize I'm specifically taking time away from my family and I need to go there and it needs to be value added. Mm-hmm. For me, I tend to find um, having tasks to complete is a way of bringing value. I'm a utility. I like to do things that are task oriented that, that fills me, fills my bucket. Um, So I, that's where I tend to go. But for other people knowing that, okay, I'm going to get my first degree. I'm going to break down this degree work. So I understand um, the esoteric nature of its meaning, maybe investigate why there's a comma here and why there's not one over here. Mm -hmm. What's that all about? Um, and just really try to understand it. And if, if you set up that that process, that 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 mind shift of trying to gain understanding into something. And early on, I heard the word tolerance in Freemasonry, hmm. and I don't agree with tolerance. I, I I tolerate my children's behavior sometimes. It doesn't mean I agree with it, mm-hmm. but I I don't understand why kids do things kids do. But I know I did the same. So now I'm trying to learn understanding to understand the position. This understanding gives you geopolitical understanding. You can start to understand what's happening in these cultures, in these communities. Mm -hmm. So building Freemasonry in a way that teaches you understanding can set you on a path of investigating without embarrassment into subjects to help you gain more understanding, which you would never do at work. Mm -hmm. You would never walk into work unless you work at like a, a metaphysical shop and start talking about the tree of life or sacred geometry. Yeah. But at Lodge, you can. But you can't do that with an inner apprentice. They may think they can, but they need to take that journey so that they can have that understanding of what the framework is around it. Because without that framework and without understanding that life is like a crystal that you can look through and see different fractures of images mm-hmm. and try to understand the correlation between things, you have to get to that point so that you can start your life of understanding and growing and things like that. So. I love it. I love it. If we if we spoke more, we would ruin this episode. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's that's very good. So I, I greatly appreciate that. And obviously, we're not going to solve all the problems of Freemasonry 
in a 45 minute conversation. This is just a primer for brothers to actually get excited about the potential of implementing some of these things. And, and I hope that they offer their feedback. So brothers, if you're uh, listening or watching this, I invite you to be a part of this conversation. What have you seen in any of these steps, in the awareness step, in the joining step, in the activation or retention that you think we could improve upon to make sure that we are no longer in such a steep decline of membership? And we can really have the impact that we can have in our families, our communities, and society as a whole. So I invite you to check out the comment section. Just put it in there. If you have any experience, we would love to hear it. Tom, thank you so much for your time. You've been very generous with it. Thank you. I really enjoyed this conversation. I look forward to another one. For sure. And I want to invite you, uh, the listeners, to, to go check out his work. Uh, go to fossilbluff.com. You'll have the link in the description. Check out his work. Beautifully uh, crafted. Great quality as always. So thank you so much for, uh, for being a part of the Winding Stairs family. And also, I want to extend a, uh, a big thank you to the our supporters on Patreon. They Month after month, they say, hey, I'm here for you. We like what you do. We want to help you continue to do it. And by doing that, they help us reach more and more people with the kind of message that is going to help men become better through Freemasonry. So if you want to be a part of the perks that come along with that, which is early access to episodes, behind the scenes looks at what we do here in the Sepulveda studio, uh, make sure to go to patreon.com slash Juan Sepulveda and contribute at whatever level you can. And for that, thank you. So as always, thank you for watching and thank you for listening. And until next time, may your steps be firm and your path illuminated as we continue our journey up the winding stairs.